start again. All right. So what? Uh, what are we doing first? Spartan. Spartan. Okay. Are you recording, Dave? Oh yeah, yeah. I restarted it. So uh, on that note, how do you feel <laughs> about Val Kilmer calling everyone baby constantly? I mean, I just wish he would call me baby. Did you ever feel I mean, that way? Like that, he was saying it so many times uh, that it kind of roped you yeah, into the conversation? Yeah, it was working for me. Yeah. <laughs> Extra star on this movie. What's the matter? You got post-traumatic stress disorder or something? I hear they say there might be environmental causes. You heard that? Are they going to Dubai? How would I know? Because there's a slave trade going on of American women. Christine, are you in? We'll leave that to our betters. Why don't you ask them? Why would I want to know? I ain't a planner. I ain't a thinker. I never wanted to be. You got to set your motherfucker to receive. Listen to me. They don't go through the door. We don't ask why. That's not a cost. It's benefit. Because we get to travel light. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do when I get there. What about the You operation? wanted to go through the looking glass. How was it? Was it more fun than miniature golf? Who frisked the son of a bitch? What son of a bitch is that? The Secret Service agent shot himself. Screwed his girlfriend, killed himself in shame. Shot himself with a hideout pistol? Yeah. Who frisked the son of a bitch? You're going to have to go half speed, baby, because I don't follow you. Is there an operation in Dubai, sir? Hal, the girl fell off a boat. She's dead. I'm on leave. I don't know nothing about Dubai. I don't know what the hell you want with me. There's an army depending on us for the truth. You can lie to anyone else, never lie to a ranger. Okay, so that's you calling me a liar. Sir, I saw the sign. What sign is that? At the beach house. She was there. She wasn't there. She died on a boat. I saw the sign. Sir. You saw the sign? You were up for a week. You could have seen Jack Ruby. You don't know what you saw your first time. Sir, I know what I saw. You didn't see no sign, baby, because she wasn't there. The hardest thing, you know what it is? It isn't going in the door. It's coming out. You ever come down off of drugs? The most powerful drug in the world is adrenaline. This is... Because <laughs> this is also, like, prime, good-looking Val Kilmer. Like, Maybe right really... before the cliff's edge of, you know, age... And booze comes for us all at, at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's the goddamn truth. <laughs> Which I don't mind. I mean, you know, if I was Val Kilmer I, and I looked like Val Kilmer, eventually, and before it came to him, much sooner, I would look like present-day <laughs> Val Kilmer. Uh, yes. Which yes. is still, you know, he was in the uh, Terrence Malick, like, Austin rock music movie doing his Val Kilmer things. Yeah. And Val Kilmer, let's face it, he had a lot of years there where he could pull just about anybody he wanted. This was prime, you know, Hollywood good looking man. Whether you're talking about Mad Mad Mardigan or your uh I mean him playing Elvis uh in dream sequences, you know, even when he's supposedly like I guess like dying of consumption in Tombstone, still looking really good. So he Looks had good in death. Yeah, he had some decades there mm -hmm. where he looked real good and he was doing just fine for himself. So. so this is a film that I would say most people are not aware of because it came out <laughs> March 12th, 2004. Um, it shouldn't surprise you that I was on top of this 
back then. Yeah, <laughs> this this feels like a Denison special. I just want to say, like, I was about to raise my hand when you were like, most people hadn't heard this. Because I had never, never heard of okay. this until you were like, we're watching Spartan. I'm like, we're watching, like, the 300? What are we? Nope. What are we? Nope. nope. Oh, a Val Kilmer movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. So I'd never heard of this and that's kind of shocking if you look at i mean one that i watch so many goddamn movies but also you look at the cast you look at the director this is not like unknowns in this movie so it feels like something i should have heard of but just totally passed me by it was uh at the age of 25 before it's time in the sense that uh this is the type of quality genre fair that now would just get lost in the shuffle because it's not particularly <laughs> yes high concept um i say that with some uh, with a caveat that i guess the more that's revealed it becomes very high concept but initially (laughs) at least and thankfully i was one of the people that i think i had seen one trailer which you know i started this conversation making fun of well not making fun of cherishing the idea of valcom we're calling everyone baby in conversation Mm -hmm. man woman child uh dog presumably (laughs) any you know any anything he's talking to is baby this baby that um, where's the girl? Uh, I remember that distinctly from the trailer. They're like, man, they're saying that an awful lot. Like people are always asking, where's this damn girl? You watch the movie, uh, accurate, accurate to the first, I don't know, half hour of various government <laughs> officials, cops, military presence, trying to find this girl played by Veronica Mars. Well, Veronica yeah, Mars, yeah. is this right? When, when did, yeah, this is a few years before Veronica Mars, right? Right yeah, I think that that was the interesting thing about watching this now, because of course now Kirsten Bell, big star, you know, especially in like kind of area of TV, because she was in The Good Place um, for the last four or five years, very recognizable person. But in 2005, 2004, not so much. So as I'm watching this, I think that helped because I knew this was filmed back then. So I'm like, she might not show up again. Like you, it's the you girl don't know. with the, the funny eyes, the funny face, which is you know always interesting to to watch now because uh, Kristen Bell, uh, especially to Veronica Mars fans, you know of that particular age group, sex symbol, you know the 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 girl mm-hmm. next door, a um, much smaller scale version, I guess, of Buffy. Like if Buffy was like yeah. a cult hit, then I don't know what Veronica Mars was because it, it had far less crossover uh, into the pop culture lexicon. But uh, I was a fan of it. I do have a Veronica Mars story when I'm um, thinking of Val Kilmer saying baby all the time. I remember I <laughs> blind bought season one of the DVD because I heard, oh, it's like a high school detective show. And I'm like, maybe it's like Brick. Maybe it's like that. That movie. was the first yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was on <laughs> what UPN. I think initially, um, before right. the, you know, the, the great merge of UPN and WB creating, uh, yes. the CW, yes, the, the two monopolies <laughs> coming together to create a channel with a dancing frog. How, yes, uh, that's... how quaint uh, back in those days, it's like two networks combining to have the same exact audience that they had before. Yeah. Um, I had they known what would be coming with Disney plus. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just... <laughs> so I, I buy this DVD and watch the pilot episode. And of course this is predating the streaming services where that was the, that was the binge watchability. There was, mm-hmm. is it on DVD? Uh, yep. Is it on sale for less than $40 for a TV set? Oh, great. Oh joy. It's twenty nine ninety nine <laughs> for the whole season. Scoop it up. And I'm watching it with the girl I'm dating at the time, the pilot episode. And I'm 
Like, yeah, it's a it's a high school show, but, you know, it's supposed to have this, like, noir kind of quality, and the eyebrows are already kind of raised. Like, what are you, buying, <laughs> like, a, a mid-2000s Beverly Hills now 210, and you're, like, excited that you just spent, like, almost $40 on this? And I remember, I think the pilot ends with some sort of line about her just being, like, just a marshmallow or something in this world. And I, I'll have to find the clip because I distinctly remember like the revulsion, like in my body, like oh no, it was like <laughs> oh what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and the eyes like glaring at me. Now happy ending to that story. We end up like you know binging through it and really enjoying it and continuing on. I think I bought season two and three on DVD. Um, there may have been some torrenting involved, you know, while it was airing mm. because who could be bothered to find out what channel UPN was if I even got it. <laughs> Um, but that is a, uh, a little side quest there to say, um, with Spartan, I will make no such apologies, even though I'm pretty sure if I was watching it in pre pandemic times with a group, even a group of like cinephiles, there might be some raised eyebrows at just how mammoth esque this David Mamet dialogue is. It's almost like he's being cheeky about his own material. Like mm -hmm. I'm just going to up it even more. And, uh, I don't care. I do not care how embarrassing <laughs> it sounds at all. And I'm going to let you talk, but I'm going to pull up some of, as I want to do, since this is my pick, some of the negative comments and reviews. Because this one, I think, is right on the line, Dave. I think this is 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. But still, a lot of harsh words that I do not care for that I'm going to look at now. I believe, and I bet I'm going to recognize some of the reviews because okay. I went and looked for some of these, and there are some are we, angry people. Were you checking my homework to see if this actually counted as like a misfire? <laughs> no, I think because I, as you know, watch my movies on Plex, and they, if you, after the movie, they show you little snippets mm. of reviews from the time. Um, but I will say that horrible line, that marshmallow line, is definitely in the pilot because that is the only episode of that show that I've watched. Oh, it I killed it for that. you. So it's huh? definitely – no, no, no. It was one of those shows that like I like – I really liked the pilot and then I was – how do I say this nicely? I was watching this with uh, someone I was living with. Mm. Um, so I couldn't move ahead without them and oh. they were never in the mood to watch it. So it just kind of fell by the wayside. So it's something I've been meaning – to pick up again and check out because I've heard nothing but good things about it. And uh, Rob Thomas, uh, the guy who created it, also did iZombie, which I really enjoyed. Hmm. Um, so I think that's this is also. I'll play be the good, nerd card. I, I read nerd. the comics, but I haven't seen the show. How about that? Oh, look at you! Well <laughs> done. Um, so as I'm watching Spartan, uh, I am like smiling ear to ear. Totally enjoying myself and also kind of feeling like I shouldn't be as I'm watching this. Because this is like – like I have to think if this came out now, like people would be offended by this. It yeah. is so – it's so hyper-masculine. Mm -hmm. Like it's so brutal and rough and makes no apologies. And I think if you don't have someone like Val Kilmer in this lead role, I don't think it works. Um, and I think you mentioned this in your Letterboxd review, actually, how he kind of plays the whole thing with a smirk, like he's always entertained by it. So because you see that and everyone else is so goddamn serious in this, whether you're talking about Ed O'Neill, of all people, or William H. Macy or Clark Gregg of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fame, <laughs> I guess, uh, fame in quotation marks, um, they're all like very – they're playing it very straight. And Val Kilmer seems to be the only one in on the joke. And I'm not even sure there's a joke to be in on, but he's in on it. Like, he really is really going for it here. Um, and you're right. I think this is, like, Mammoth with a capital M 
here he's really like diving in and i think he's also in on the joke i think he knows exactly what he's doing and i think a lot of the people that had negative reactions to this don't didn't understand that he was playing it up on purpose. i like this you're playing that you're too stupid to get this yeah dumb critics you don't know shit (laughs) i also like that you're going to uh my letterbox account as opposed to the horrific rotten tomatoes i pulled up this has the um Mike Destin seal of approval. This is in my own personal Criterion collection because I only started using Letterbox. I think it was like a 2019 New Year's resolution. Uh, even though yeah. I've been doing movie podcasts since 2014, couldn't be bothered because I felt like logging movies was taking time away from watching and talking about movies. <laughs> um, so I say it's in my own personal Criterion collection because I've now seen it twice. And uh, this okay. so uh, it says you have reviewed this twice. I'm like, oh lord, this is in Ooh, yes. Hi. Um, made it. Yeah. Uh, my most you know recent review was just Falcon calls everyone baby in this and I like it. It got no likes on letterbox. Fuck all of you all. <laughs> uh, my other Spartan review got no likes because <laughs> I don't know how many people are searching for Spartan here, but, uh, yeah, I, I did. I like characters that, I mean, you accuse me of just liking movies about dumb characters, and I've got a few of those movies coming up for this show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not the case here with Val Kilmer. Uh, instead, he's playing it like everyone else is dumb, and this is amusing to him. That it's like, I'm, yeah. I have to stop and explain myself to, to you people, but uh, I guess I, you know, it's my job. I'm getting paid to do that, so I will take the time uh, to do such. Um, that could be a bit much, I guess. You know, it's, it's got the same condescending swagger that I assume David Mamet has himself, or at least all of his, like, lead characters have. Yep. Um, yep. And I, I think back to something like, you know, Glengarry Glen Ross, the, the infamous, I guess, uh, Alec Baldwin uh, sales pitch scene. And I think that that stuff maybe goes over a little bit better with people who wouldn't uh, like being surrounded by such men because you do have... Jack Lemmon in that. You have the the desperation from our lead character who's trying to compete with this hyper and toxic masculinity. Here, while some of those characters uh, in that same ballgame are the villains, our hero is also just as hyper masculine and toxic. So, yes, you're right. I don't know if it would go over well. Uh, Which leads me to Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, this is 65%. So, it wasn't Right on, I guess, our, our designated line for me. Uh, what is that? Is that the friends with benefits rule? Is that what we're calling it? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Strange one. It's a strange precedent to be set by a Justin Timberlake, Mila Kunis rom-com. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was looking at these reviews and I think it's funny. They're both saying the same thing, the positive and the negative. Uh, it seems like the criticisms uh, have the theme of mammoth is not elevating standard genre fare. And the people who enjoy it are like, oh, thank God, we get some mammoth dialogue in this standard genre fare. That makes it better. Yeah, it's, it's weird that they're <laughs> approaching from two different, I guess, points on the same exact angle in this movie, which is David Mamet's presence. And in some way, I wonder if that would, if it would age better critically in that way now. I don't think it would find an audience. I don't think that, you know, 2021, no. uh, even with the streaming service, I don't think this is going to be one of those random 
as far as I know, Netflix movies, like those clickbait articles where someone's like, you won't believe what movie from 2004 is Netflix stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a Spartan <laughs> was that on that rule. list. But uh, I wonder, like, what is your, like, just sort of general assessment of that? Because it's like, in a way, they're condemning Mamet for doing an action movie. But yet I'm thinking these, I assume, would be the same people that think action movies are dumb. Never stupid people. Because it, it seems like they're offended that he would like come down to this level. Yeah. So um, listeners who have stuck with us from the um, directed by days will know uh, that I am a big fan of talented writers and directors going into genre fair. Uh, it makes me think like of Spike Lee uh, doing Inside Man. Uh, which is, you know, a straight up action heist movie. And I don't think it's, I wouldn't, if I saw that without knowing who the director was, I would be like, well, this is an elevated heist movie. Like it does, it feels like a good heist movie. And this feels like a good action movie. And there's no, I think people are telling on themselves when they're like, oh, well, it should have been better because it was this. That just means you hate the genre. That would be like if... I don't know. If Paul Thomas Anderson decided to do a horror movie and you were like, well, I was just expecting it to be more elevated. Well, then you don't like horror movies. Like, just call it like it is. You don't like genre movies. And that's okay. I mean, it sucks for you because you don't have a good time. Uh, but, like, genre movies are a lot of fun. And actually, I kept thinking as I was watching this, you know what would make a good double feature with this? Is Den of Thieves. Hmm. I would watch Den of Thieves and Spartan back-to-back in a fucking heartbeat. Is that the Gerard both... Butler? Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, I think you would love it because um, okay. they, they both really dive into the genre. They, they're not ashamed of it. Like they're not like, well, I have to uplift this and make it better. Like, no, I like this genre and I'm going to make this movie and it's going to be a good time. And I think I think this really fits in. And I find it very interesting that, you know, it is very hyper masculine. It does have this one character who seems to always have the answers and is cooler than everyone else. And I find it interesting. The only one who gets over on him is... Uh, a female Secret Service agent uh, in this movie. I think that's a really great hmm. choice. It's not William H. Macy. It's not Ed O'Neill. It's not any of these, like, you know, these guys. It's this woman who he kind of takes for granted. It's where he's not looking. In that scene. He's not even yeah. considering uh, the sort of mm -hmm. threat level of her. And, of course, she's um, she kind of unlocks all of it here. Because I, I mentioned earlier that he's the smartest guy in the room, but it's... Um, it's in sort of interesting dichotomy, though, that he's he is kept in the dark for a lot of things. And there is yes. a big stretch of the plot where um, he's reached what he thinks is the conclusion, I guess, of his services and then is brought back into the fold. Um, I, I could see the structure of the film kind of bothering people, too, because I think, uh, you know, America <laughs> in particular with our heroes, we, we don't like quitters like the absolute anger that uh the dark knight rises got because its central theme is that batman would like to stop he would like to not be doing this this thing the man broke his back <laughs> let him retire jesus uh, i remember uh you know some like nerd comments at the time like you know batman would never stop i'm like well uh, i mean he has to at some point and right. it's it's interesting that val kilmer he is stupid, I guess, in how much trust he's put into the system in place here because he right. sees himself as just a functioning part within this giant machine. And he has all the ego and confidence in the world as far as that one area, that one part that he can provide. Uh, he thinks he's absolutely the best and the most equipped for it. Um, but mm -hmm. as far as taking sort of an overview, 
he's like, well, I can't, I can't be bothered with that. I'm not, I'm not paid for that. Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I guess they could pay me more and maybe I'll take my giant brain and perception and look around. But if I'm not being paid, putting the blinders on, and I can see I that. I kind of respect that about okay. him. That's what I love that's, about that's him. That's kind of how I felt too. But you I can see people, like, even if they're into, they're not putting on their critic snob hat. Like, I'm looking at, uh, well, I don't know how much of a snob Peter Travers or Rolling Stone is. That's probably a bad pull. Because mm. um, I think he's fairly populist. But his uh, little splat here says, Imagine David Mamet rewriting his political satire, Wag the Dog, as a joke-free kidnap drama. There are no joke. There are jokes here. What is, what is he talking about? Yeah, I think this movie is really funny. <laughs> like it's not like it's not a comedy, but there's a lot of laugh lines, and it. I think it's all a matter if you like Val Kilmer or not, because this is Val Kilmer shtick. I mean, it's very similar to um, oh, what's the, what's the movie with him and Robert Downey Jr. Kiss, um, uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. It's very similar to that. It's very sharp. It's very witty, and it's very uh, pompous. I guess like he's <laughs> holding himself above everyone else. Like because Val Kilmer, let's face it. I'm sorry, Peter Travers. Val Kilmer is cooler than mm. you and that's okay. He's cooler than me too. He's cooler than everybody in 2004. So he's holding himself above that. And you see that even in the way he interacts uh, with the character of Curtis played by Derek Luke, uh, who plays kind of a main role as the movie goes on. And at first, like when I'm first watching this, you know, I think you're supposed to have this reaction of like, yeah, this guy is such a fucking asshole. Like, what a jerk. And you get you get little bits of his character slowly, and just tiny bits. Like, this movie is not interested in making the lead character likable, um, which I kind of like about this movie, is that they're like, yeah, this is who he is. The man gets the job done, and you're going to like it one way or another. You don't have to like him, but you can like the work he does. Um, and so I think it's important that Curtis is the one who gets him to rethink these things and he does it by offering proof he doesn't he doesn't like go like well look look you know look at the emotion involved in this we have to really look deeper like no look i'm going to show you why you're wrong and he is a character scott is val kilmer's character he's a character that once he's shown he's incorrect he's going to find a way to fix it and i think that's really interesting character choice given that there's a lot of ego in his character like from the very beginning like telling you he's the best, showing you he's the best. But once it's proved that he's not or that he made a mistake, he's going to do everything he can to fix it, even if maybe it's not in the nicest way. When are you going to fix your mistake? Because I, I realize now that you cited my letterbox review, and then I mentioned this has no likes on either one. You've read the review. No <laughs> likes. What's going on, Dave? So let me, let me tell you why, and it'll prove to you just – just how lazy I am. I know you know mm -hmm. that I'm lazy, mm -hmm. but I don't know if you know the extent. <laughs> so if you click on a letterbox link uh, and you're not already in the app, it doesn't automatically open the app <laughs> on your iPhone. So then you'd have to like log hmm. in on the internet and then like it. And that's just too much trouble. I'm wow. not going through that. So that's where we're I am uh, at projecting film on letterbox. If you would like to support me. <laughs> Dave can't be bothered. He will read and quote from them, but cannot. Now tonight, I'll go through and just like everything <laughs> that you posted. That's me. I'll, uh, I'll so, have to make sure to put up my five star review of Green Book to catch you in that yeah, trap. Won't like that. I and won't I'll like that. Screenshot um, it and tag you to death on Twitter. Look whoa, what Dave likes. <laughs> look at this asshole. Um, so there is always like in in movies where there is a moment of shock. 
Um, I know when it's worked on me because I am one of those people that will like by myself when I watch this movie, when that moment happened with Curtis, when he is taken out by a sniper, I legitimately said out loud, Oh shit. Like, cause I was not prepared. Well, it goes, for that it goes back to the structure of it, right? It's, it's hard to yeah. get you know your head around like, okay, when does it turn into that type of movie? Because, I made fun of the, you know, where's the girl? Where's the girl? Where's the girl? There's such momentum to this one night. Um, and you, you hang on that one night of the initial kidnapping for a good stretch. And then sort of the days after of like, okay, we're going to track this lead down. Um, so when the characters, uh, like you're saying with, with Luke's here, that he is trying to to go to I, 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 it's a stretch to call <laughs> Val Kilmer's character a mentor to agent Curtis. No, no, I don't think it is. Cause I, I feel like I'm glad you said that. Cause I feel like that is why it's shocking. Cause that is what it's building up to. Like in the beginning, he's like, whatever, do your job. Leave I don't me need alone. to know your name. What the hell is that? That's a wedding ring, sir. You hear that? The sentry you're sneaking up on. He can hear it too. You've been around long enough to know that. Thank you, sir. My name's Curtis. Do I need to know? If I want camaraderie, I'll join the Masons. It's just the mission. Right, yeah. And then he's, like, slowly, like, for Scott's character, warming up to Mm -hmm. him in, you know, the minimal way he can. And it's finally starting to build, and he's finally starting to listen to him. And he goes, okay, we're doing the right thing. We're going to search this out. And then, blam. That character, like, because it feels like one of those movies where, like, he's going to train him, he's going to get him to where he needs to be, and they just rip that mm. away. to Almost to kind of remind you, like, no, this this movie is about Scott finding the girl. We've been telling you for the first 40 minutes to find the girl, find the girl, find the girl. This is not, this is not a buddy comedy. Like, that's not what this movie is. And it's like the movie removes that to kind of prove it to you. And it is a truly shocking moment. Yeah, I mean, I think Mamet uh, takes pleasure that this... Uh, very machine-like character. Uh, I'm not going to allow him to develop any relationships. I mean, he's <laughs> he develops uh, less of a friendship than the fucking Terminator and Eddie Furlong. <laughs> yes. Can't even fake a smile, right. like kid. <laughs> um, I I could see like if you were a genre fan, um, you may see this as like art house action, only in the sense that I think. Yeah, this is not one of the Bourne movies, right? Like when action happens, it's very quick and get in and get out. Um, because the the longer uh, our characters are susceptible to gunfire, the more likely they are to be shot. So I I think you know Val Kilmer's character operates under under that assumption, and I actually kind of like it. I find it a bit refreshing to to Mm -hmm. not have extended half hour fight scenes with a magazine and a spoon just like just right going on i mean on. this character as opposed to like you know and i love paul greengrass as an action director uh but he's he's showing off in his movies and that, really that style to... got so aped that it just yes you know it, it was yes. played out way before those movies were over it, are they over right. i don't know if they are god i hope so <laughs> as long as jeremy renner doesn't try to come back in one of those movies um but i i think the thing i respect about the action in this movie is that it suits the character it's surgical it's efficient like scott is not a character who's going to if he can avoid it he's not going to get into you know a 25 minute hand-to-hand combat 
uh, with five different guys. He's going to take them out one by one and slowly work his way. Although, up. kind of, you know, it's, would you have liked to have seen that with uh, him and Bill Macy? Would you like to see? I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I just don't think it would be believable that it would last that long. I just, I love Bill Macy, but like, ah, uh, not exactly the action star uh-huh. uh, that I would think of. And it actually kind of, in a you know, this is a stretch, but it reminds me of another Val Kilmer action movie in Heat, where, it, like, if you talk about that very famous uh, shootout uh, on the street, it's it's tactical, right? They're communicating with each other. They're doing the right thing. It's not just for show, um, which I think a lot of people who don't like Heat have uh, accused it of it. Like, oh, it's just a bunch of bullets and it's too long and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but this is – there's, like, a point to it. And I think in Spartan, everything he does has a point and – even when he has to sacrifice his own body for the cause, he knows, like, okay, this is the only way I can get this done. So I'm going to get it done one way or another. I'm going to finish the job. I would say that it's an action movie for people who like something like uh, Whiplash or something. If you if you like mm. to see a character just be an extension of their craft and really nothing else, uh, now it's... <laughs> this is probably even harsher than Whiplash because at least there, there's an attempt to have like you know a relationship with his father or a girlfriend, and like there's a decision like I can't right now, maybe later. Uh, we are seeing that that uh, train of thought to its completion. Of I, <laughs> I am just an assigned uh, killing machine. I'm and uh, God, and basically like just a cock that enters the room. Like it's like, even when he does the interrogation sequence without much, uh, you know, what's my motivation. It's just, I'm just a dickhead. That's, that's all. <laughs> and I know I'm it. just going to knock your fucking teeth out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I can. And I know like, it's very interesting. Cause it, <laughs> it does have kind of semblances of that idea of like, I could ask you, you could say no. And then I could knock your teeth out. Or I could just, like, cut out the middleman and you're going to talk after I'm done. And I was like, like, weirdly, again, hyper-masculine, super toxic, but I kind of respect it where I'm like, yeah, you know what? That actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this person is going to be beat. He is going to be tortured. And eventually he's going to tell us the truth. So let's just get there, shall we? Again, efficient, getting the job done and kind of doesn't care who he hurts. Like, even when he goes off to rescue this girl, he's like... You know, throwing her around like she's a rag doll. She's like strung out because they've doped her up. She has no idea where she is. And he's, you can almost feel him rolling his eyes at her like this. God damn it. You are too much trouble. Will you just be quiet and come with me? Like he's just he does, so focused. It, it's really cool. And that goes back to the only <laughs> attempt at maybe human communication and interaction uh, is the Curtis character uh, because he does seemingly have an inability like you said, you have a character who is doped up and, you know, she's had her own trauma. Uh, you know, she is yeah. uh, in this, you know, she's at the beginning stages of this sex slavery ring. And she's, you know, been, I mean, she has to realize that, right? It's not like she's unaware yeah. of what is going to happen to her. So that's already set in. And yet he's like, and we don't really know maybe if something has already yeah, happened. I don't know. Like they don't. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm glad the film doesn't really dive into it because I yet again I think it's from the you know Scott's point of view of the mission is just reacquiring her and I could see that that stability rubbing some people the wrong way because it's like he is looking at her as just a physical husk like just a an object to be moved back, <laughs> right, um, right. but it does make him 
efficient in that way. But going back to the Derek Luke character of Curtis, it is the only time that he is asked and maybe gives a moment's notice of someone else's perspective. It is in service of finding the girl, but he does at least take that in. That's like, well, this guy saw something and tried to tell me. And, you know, I, I'm so hyper-focused on the mission that the one time he missed it is when he thinks he actually looked at this guy and thought oh, he's been shot. He's in shock. Like, just take care of yourself. Your, your mission's over. And that, that guy was still in the game and was trying to, it was trying yeah. to relay something very important and vital to him that, you know, uh, Veronica Mars was, uh, drawing her fucked up face all over windows left and right. And <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> I saw the marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. And I think it's it's also interesting that, you know, one of the few times probably in this character's life, let alone this movie, that he is kind of taken for a ride that he is fooled is because they give him the information he wants to see. Like, oh, she's dead. OK. You know, the government claimed it's her. Mm -hmm. Why would they lie about that? They have no reason to lie. OK, I can shut this all down. I never will think about this again until he's given more information. But it's interesting that our character, who is smarter than everyone, cooler than everyone else, misses it, right? And he ends up needing guidance from the person that maybe we thought he was going to be the mentor to. I just find that like a really interesting twist. And I like the fact that because Mamet, obviously, very talented director and writer, he doesn't hold your hand through that. He doesn't like – there's not a moment where, you know, that character is dying and like, oh, I always wanted to live up to you and, you know, any like emotional outpouring. It's just like – Bad stuff happens, and now that character is dead, and we got to get back when to When there him. is someone dying in his arms, what does he do? Calls her baby. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, that's how I want to die. Just Being Val called Kilmer baby? calling me Val baby. Kilmer's arms? Yeah, okay. by Val Kilmer. Yeah, one last time. I'm about that's to, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm about to give you a mini death here because I told you, hey, there's this podcast I want to do, but it relates to Spartan, and I can't tell you the double feature because it would be a spoiler. <laughs> and so I'm watching you this. <laughs> monster. I'm watching this and you know, we've already given some spoilers. So if you follow us along, uh, we apologize, but it's still a fun ride. Like I've watched it twice in the yeah. last year. Uh, I didn't even wait a year. I want to watch it again. Like I, if I wasn't watching what, if I wasn't watching other movies for podcasts, I already would have watched. I do one. have the DVD and I've not yet thrown on a commentary. It's just Kilmer though. It's not Mamet. But and you should keep that DVD because there is no Blu-ray out there. It doesn't exist. Well, of course I would. I mean, Dave, I kept my yeah. playing by heart DVD, which has no extra features because I'm like, when am I going to get a physical <laughs> copy Never. of this again? Uh, what I wanted to do because uh, this is a troll job is I, I host a show called Original Remake, which the last episode we put up, not the last one we recorded, but the only one on the feed, is hyping up this very podcast, your guest appearance for. Uh, the apartment in Wicker Park, which who doesn't need more of that in their life? You know, gangbusters. Obviously, yes. <laughs> I wanted to do the Katie Holmes first daughter and the Mandy Moore chasing Liberty double feature of Runaway <laughs> President's Daughters because I've never seen them. And I think it would be more Spartan for us, right? Probably the same thing. Yeah. I mean, same exact movie. What could go wrong? I thought you were going to tell them how you trolled me into my next pick uh, for for our show. Oh, yeah. see, I was giving more respect to your pick. I was like, this is just an opportunity to no. watch Mandy Moore and Katie Holmes battle out in the uh, early 2000s, which you know sounds glorious to me. But you're already – so wait, you're – 
you're lamenting the pick for what we're doing on this show, but not my ridiculous oh, White House fine. daughter. Okay. Yes. All right. So no, see, I love when you make me watch terrible movies because like one of two things happens: um, either they are terrible and I get to yell at you, mm. um, or it's a nice surprise and it wasn't that bad. This one was. Um, this was a so, nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was great. Um, I know another nice surprise but, in a movie coming up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So a little behind the scenes. Um, obviously, if you've listened this far, you've listened to our episode on the Searchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have moved to Spartan and Mike said, okay, but the next episode, like you have to, you have to tie in to St. Patrick's Day. Right. And I was like, okay, so I need to find a movie that is on one of these lists and has, you know, an Irish theme or something like that. So the first thing I thought of was like the fugitive. Cause there's a St. Patrick's mm-hmm. day scene, but I felt like it was cheating a little bit. Cause it's on an AFI list, but it's like AFI's best action movies. So was it the not really... best picture nominee? Is it one of the, it the was, few actually. genre movies that did crossover? Yeah. yeah. Cause, and, and that movie did crazy business. I think that was like a fan favorite. And I did offer to bring you on the Grand Gesture, where we're currently doing yes. 89 blockbusters. And we are going to include that. So you will there yeah. will be a conversation with Dave on The Fugitive, which leads us to something else for St. Patrick's <laughs> so, Day. So like racking my brain, I start looking things up and I was like... And it's a movie I've never seen um, that is very, very well known, especially if you're of a certain age. Uh-huh. Um, and and then I looked and the director kind of talked about, oh, there's a lot of commentary about, you know, Irish versus British folks. And I was like, oh, that'll be a perfect choice. That movie is The Crying Game. Um, and not thinking about how it tied into the other two movies at all. And Mike, do you remember what you said when I... Uh, when I recommended the crime, I, game. I do believe it was slightly classier than how this movie was approached in, like you know, Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Yes, slightly, yes, I'll give you that. Slightly I'll classier, that. yeah. Yeah, I think I think your exact text was well. That's an interesting twist on Finding the Girl, and I was like, you <laughs> see, son of see, a bitch. I'm 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 riding that line, you know. <laughs> Mike is just like shadow boxing, like just dodging just enough. So, yeah, so the next movie, and I mean, I think at this point, it's like, maybe not, maybe not for younger viewers, but especially for people like in their mid 30s and up, like, even if you haven't seen The Crying Game, you know what we're talking about. Like, you know, you know the spoiler. It's been I mean, referenced getting in a, so many things. Ace Ventura, a direct you shout out. And then, I mean, yeah. the third act of Ace Ventura Pet Detective hinges on just riffing on The Crying Game, yeah. which is absurd now i mean it would just it would yeah. ha- like would there be like a not another teen movie that decided to base their <laughs> right. whole third act on nomad land like just wouldn't happen <laughs> right yeah i think i mean it really points out we'll talk about this in the next episode like how how big of a movie the crying mm-hmm. game actually was and it was one of those like word of mouth movies that people were like you gotta fucking see this i'm not gonna tell you what happened but you gotta see it and then it just like kind of leaked out to the general populace and everyone knew about the twist. I'd say within like two or three months of that movie coming out, coming out, everybody knew. Um, so yeah, so we'll be kind of finding the girl, I guess, uh, in our next movie when we talk about the crying game. So that'll be fun. Cue the music. <laughs> Let's face it. Your master is a loser. Lou Hill. 
That's it. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is a man. Oh my God. Einhorn is a man. Ugh. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man.